0: Hey everybody, it's me Stu Helm, the food fan here at Food Fan Headquarters, with another episode of the Food Fan Show for you. And the Food Fan Show is a podcast that I do for Substack. Please sign up for my Substack newsletter, and it is it is also turned into a radio show to be broadcast here locally in Asheville on WPVM one hundred three point seven FM, the Progressive Voice of the Mountains. Hey, everybody. It's me, Stu Helm, a food fan here at Food Fan Headquarters with my good friend, Rick Krillia. He's back, ladies and gents, and everybody else. Wings up. Wings up. Oh, man. For those (laughs) of you who have been listening forever, Rick and I, Rick is kind of the progenitor of this whole iteration of my current podcast because Rick and I did a little Uh, chicken wing podcast during the horrible shutdown period of the pandemic like the i think of it as the pre um, vaccine period when we just weren't going out and so you would get wings i would get wings we'd meet on zoom we'd talk about them i decided to make that into a podcast which then blew up into this but rick you have a real job i do
1: unfortunately i can't eat chicken wings as much as i would like
0: I, well I'm sure you can eat them as much as ever well. you just don't have the time to come on the show and talk about them. <laughs>
1: this is true. This is yes. true.
0: But Rick it's great to see you man and uh we, later on we'll let's revive a segment of the the wing thing which is what we called it and uh we will do that but for now what we're here to do is tr- food trivia for Mama Food Bank brother. Man
1: of Food Bank. Oh yeah. My favorite local charity.
0: Mine too. Now, you're a big-time eater, and so am I, and so yeah, I, I feel like, you know, I got some atoning to do for the amount of gluttony that I participate in, there so choosing manna as my charity uh, of choice since I started writing about food, and I'm being a little facetious and a little bit not. You know, I am privileged. I get to eat out a lot. This is a high-hunger part of the country, which is When I first heard that, that surprised me because there's just an abundance of farms around here and stuff. Um, But it's accessibility. It's affordability. There's a lot of reasons why Western North Carolina suffers from hunger. But Rick, you and I do not suffer from hunger. We stuff ourselves full all the time. So I know that you're a very generous person. I do what I can every year. And right now, you and I are going to play trivia for money, real money on the line here. Uh, $5 per question, Rick, and uh, if you get them right, I pay $5. You get them wrong, you pay $5. And, of course, I am trying to stump you, Rick, because I don't want to end up paying all of the $25 that we've got right in here. All right. So, Rick, uh, I know that you're a barbecue aficionado, and so all of today's questions – Well, I should back up a little bit and say, during the month of October, all of my trivia is October-related, horror-related, Halloween-related. And today, all of your questions are about blood, guts, gore, parts, and pieces. All right. You ready for this, brother? I am ready. All right. Let's do this. Question number one. Manish water. M-A-N-N-I-S-H. Manish water. Reportedly an aphrodisiac is made from the head, intestines, testicles, and feet of which animal? And I've got a hint for you, but it'll cost you the entire five bucks that is on the line for this question. So you can buy a hint, but then you'll get you could get the question right, but you'll still be out the five bucks. Hmm. Manish water. What is man? What what is the animal that all the parts and pieces come from for mannish water?
1: I have an idea. Yes. I'm going to guess. Okay. It's from a male water buffalo.
0: That is not a bad guess, but it is incorrect nonetheless, Rick. No. Ah, All right. I'll give you the hint for free. See if you can come up with it. It's already Mm. cost you five bucks. There's no change in that reality, brother. Yeah. But here's your hint. This dish was the inspiration for a Rolling Stones album title. I know you're a music fan. Don't I don't know if you're a Stones fan.
1: I am a Stones fan, but I'm drawing
0: a blank. The animal in question is a goat, Rick. Oh. And the album is Goat's Head Soup. Yeah. Goat's Head Soup is now, I believe, the national dish of Jamaica. Oh, uh, there you go. They do yeah. they do nice goat curries down there. They love their goat. Um, all right, Rick. Well, you're zero for one. Right. Let's see if we can go 50-50 here. All right, this one is a, multiple, is a multiple choice. And let's just ask the question, and then I'll read your choices. Which of the following canned things is not a thing? And we are talking about things canned for human consumption. I'm going to list four things. Three of them are real. One of them is made up. Can you guess the one that's made up? All right, here we go. Question, uh, option A, giant spider in a can. This delicacy from Cambodia contains one large tarantula, oven-baked and dusted with salt. B, impress your friends and intimidate your enemies with smoked rattlesnake, 100% snake meat and a rich broth that you can eat straight out of the can. C, canned centipede. That's right, 10 leggy inches steeped in a sweet and savory sauce with a convenient pop-top. That one's that one's easy for the kids to bring to school. (laughs) And then your final one, D, lunch tongue. Let your culinary imagination run wild when you have Prince's lunch tongue on hand. And that Prince's lunch tongue is the only one I have assigned a brand name to. You may have noticed. (laughs) So giant spider, smoked rattlesnake, centipede or tongue, lunch tongue specifically. I'm
1: going to go with lunch tongue is not the real one.
0: Oh, Rick, you'd be so wrong about that. You are missing <sighs> out on Prince's lunch tongue. Let your culinary imagination run wild, which is taken straight off of their website, that tagline. Uh, all of those are real except for canned centipede. Okay. I made that uh, one up. Yeah, I just thought it would look nice in a can all coiled yeah, up. So I yeah. made that one up. But good good guess. Oh, for guess. 2. Oh for two! Well, that's that is my (laughs) evil plan because this stuff can cost me a lot of money if I do it with people all season. I see that. Uh, (laughs) All right, this one should be real easy for a gentleman like you, Rick. What part of the pig are you eating when dining on porchetta de testa? Porchetta. Porchetta de testa. What part of the pig? I would
1: have to say the testicles.
0: That seems obvious, but it is incorrect. (laughs) (laughs) Dang it. Porchetta di Testa is a traditional Italian dish prepared with the pig's head
1: as the main ingredient. The pig's head is deboned. I was thinking pork belly, but okay. All
0: right. So. Dang. Rick, if you ever if you ever see one on a menu, order it. It's like a scene out of uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. This Excellent. Head, they take the skull out and they do this whole thing where they fold the ears into the eyes and pepper it, cook it. Hor- it comes out. It's horrific. It's crackling. Like le- leather face. Yes, it's like a face-shaped crackling. Giant one. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. All right. Sticking okay. with the uh, head portion of animals here. Are cows brains kosher? Yes. Good answer, Rick. You got one right. Ding, 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 ding. Uh. If they were from a cow that underwent the humane form of kosher slaughter known as Shachita, then yes, they are. All right. So as long as they're slaughtered properly, you can feast on those cow brains and you'll still be kosher. All right. All right. Last one. Mm. I feel like this one is, uh, well, Rick, simple, but perhaps deceptive. Okay. Is there any blood in blood pudding? No. Oh, my Lord, Rick krillia whack your knuckles with a ruler, brother. The oh answer man. is yes. Uh. Yes. Blood pudding, which is actually sausage, those British that call anything a pudding. Uh, it contains blood, usually from a pig, mixed with fat and oatmeal before being packed into the casing. So it was originally considered like, like almost... We're all out of food, so we have to make blood sausage, um, but these days, it's quite the delicacy, and the last time I had it was at Karate, of all places. So
1: Okay. I, I have out. had blood sausage, but I... You know, the pudding threw me off and and I should have thought about it because I figured it was probably from the UK. And mm-hmm.
0: oh well. All right. Well, Rick, I couldn't be more delighted that you got that one wrong. <laughs> I was worried you were gonna get two out of five and it would have cost me 10 bucks. But no, it looks like you are uh, well, we you, you're you're out twenty dollars. I'm out five bucks, and that that's all going to man of food bank. And let me tell you, Rick, and tell everybody watching and listening that you're $20 will buy, let's see, 80 meals for people. That's crazy. Yeah, through, um, through Manna Food Bank. Wonderful. So I always say Manna is the most bang for your buck when it comes to making donations because they have always very explicitly told you how much on their website. It says exactly how much your donation gets and what they do with it and how they manage to pull that off. Because you and I might think, oh, 25 cents per meal, that's got to be what, like a can of sawdust for dinner or something? But no, (laughs) they have a lot of uh, connections and a lot of uh, large food donations, a lot of uh, wholesale pricing and lower, you know. So they can do a wonderful, uh, they can do an amazing job with your $20, Rick. So thank you for playing Food Trivia for Mana.
1: You got it, buddy. It was fun. And I'm sorry I didn't show better, but uh, I'll, I'll have another chance to take your money some other day.
0: Oh, are you signing up to play again in the future?
1: No, I just figured you'd oh. take me to lunch.
0: Oh, I see. <laughs> I see where this conversation just went. It's going to cost me 20 bucks no matter what. Um, and Rick, speaking of lunch, I know that you've got a favorite, uh, couple of favorite restaurants out there in Candler where you live. But if you don't mind, just give a little shout out to to Griff's Kitchen and tell us what you ate there the last time you went.
1: Oh yeah, I just went last week and had uh, their uh, my favorite dish on the menu is a, uh, a seared pork uh, shoulder, sliced, and uh, it it's fantastic. He does it with a hot pepper jelly mm. and uh, and like a uh, hash with uh, cream corn just delicious in, in a fried fennel it was mm. amazing amazing and it's a regular dish on the menu in the spring and fall so very always there to try we also got a he had a special where he had meatballs made with mutton mm, yum and they were served with a Sunday gravy an Italian red sauce really savory you know but not super fancy mm-hmm. and it was just fantastic and and veggies and of course we got uh we got for dessert we got a slice of jill worthy's uh cappuccino cheesecake
0: nice and
1: uh a fig cake that ian made chef griffin right. so right. it was wonderful and they're they are a uh uh Diamond in the rough, as as it was, because we don't have many great uh, sit down dining dining options out here in Candler. We got Doc Brown's, we got Sandhill Kitchen, we got Whisk Bakery, but we we don't really have some great restaurants like uh, Griff's Kitchen and Bar.
0: So yeah, well, I agree with you that Griff's is special. It's way out there in Candler, so I don't get there as much as I'd like to, but it's like a little piece of downtown dining outside of downtown. And for people who miss the food of downtown because they got burned out on downtown or whatever, you can go to Griff's. There's plenty of parking and there's plenty of seating and uh, Chef Ian would love to see you. And the food, I can attest to it myself, is just fantastic. And everything you described, I can just only imagine how good it all was, including the cheesecake from the worthy baker and her cheesecakes are always featured on chef Griff's uh, Griffin's menu. All right, Rick. Well, thanks for that wonderful review of Griff's kitchen and thanks for playing uh, food trivia for Mana. Really? You appreciate got it, buddy. It was great. Thanks All for right. having me on. Have a great Saturday. Yep. You too. See ya. Bye. I just wanted to follow up about Griff's Kitchen and Bar. I got some food from Griff's just last night, and as I record this, it's about two weeks since I talked to Rick about it, and kind of based on his enthusiasm during that little chat, as well as my own previous excellent experiences eating Griff's at the restaurant out there in Candler, I decided to get it delivered to my house by Kickback, it's one of their... Um, partners, kickbackavl.com, uh, pulled up my account, and when I order from Kickback, I don't usually want to order for someplace, from someplace I can walk to, and seeing as how Griff's is way out in Candler, and I live close to downtown, I certainly ain't going to walk to Griff's, and so I ordered up, and it Griff's is fancy, so I just want to tell you, this was not cheap, but it was so worth it to me to get this food delivered to me, and there's a lot of people involved, and getting food delivered to you from candler all right so uh i ordered the shrimp and grits the chicken nuggets and the cornbread pu- or cornbread just bread pudding forget i said the word corn in there so shrimp and grits bread pudding chicken nuggets and i first of all i just want to say chicken nuggets i know it sounds like they're for little kids and there is a little kid who lives inside of me who loves chicken nuggets, chicken strips, chi- chicken tenders, uh, of course, chicken sandwiches, fried chicken dinner. I love. I just love chicken in general. And I do love a bite-sized piece of white meat covered in batter served with the sauce and all of that stuff. And Griff's Kitchen has some of the best I've ever had. They're just really, really tender. Uh, well, first of all, let me back up a little bit and say the delivery process worked like a charm. I ordered it, it gave me a time, it showed up before the time they gave me, and the food was piping hot. I took some pictures that are posted on Facebook, and you can see that the tubs that they came in, the little plastic Tupperware things, they're all steamed up from how hot it is inside. And everything was piping hot, including the bread pudding, and I knew that would cool down substantially while I ate my entree and my nuggets. And so I ate a little of, I ate two bites of that first, just to get get it done, get it out of the way, try it while it's optimal, and then go back to it after I ate everything. And I was really glad I did that because man, it was fresh, hot, and delicious. What can I say? It was like, I'll just start the review with the dessert bread pudding it had little chunks of apple in it, a beautiful caramel type sauce, and it was like I said, just piping hot and super delicious. Had I had a scoop of ice cream on hand, I would have added that. Now, ice cream doesn't travel for delivery very well, although Kickback could probably get me some ice cream pretty quickly. Uh, it'd be fine. But uh, so, but anyways, the bread pudding, it's excellent. So it's probably going to be on the menu for a while since it's a very fall item. So if you go to Griff's or you get delivery, get the bread pudding for dessert. Totally worth it. And a substantial portion as well, two slices for $10. I think it was don't quote me on the price though. Um, and then I got the, as I said, the chicken nuggets, which were excellent and maybe some of the best in town and the shrimp and grits had coarse ground grits that really had a lot of tooth to them. Almost like the, the corn kernels almost had a a nut-like quality to the texture at times. Like, most of it was just grits, you know, like coarse ground grits. But every once in a while, there'd be like a corn kernel that almost had a peanut like texture to it. And I enjoyed that very much. It gave it some nice tooth, as we say. And uh, then there there was p- pieces of house-made bacon that were very good, and then the shrimp were grilled, and they were on there, and they, there was a tomato gravy, they called it, the tomato gravy, and it was excellent, excellent, excellent shrimp and grits, maybe some of the best I've had. I would certainly put them in the top five shrimp and grits that I've had in this city. And so there you go. A uh, quick review of Griff's Kitchen. The Get get those chicken nuggets. There's as tender as can be and very delish. Get that uh, get get that shrimp and grits. It's some of the best in Nashville, in my opinion. And get that bread pudding or any of his desserts, including any of those Jill-worthy cheesecakes jill's a good friend of mine worthy baker she makes a pretty kick-ass cheesecake i have to say all right folks so that's my review of, of griff's i'll check in with you again in a little bit bye hey everybody it's me Stu helm the food fan here at food fan headquarters and for people who are just listening you can't see but my My screen has a nice pinkish tinge to it for Halloween, and I am here with one of my favorite guests, one of my favorite people in Asheville, and she is dressed up for Halloween. It's Alex Knighton, formerly of Bear's Barbecue, and we'll get to that in a second, but hey, Alex, how are you?
2: Doing great. Thank you so much for having me. How are you doing, bud?
0: I'm doing great, man. It's great to see you. You've got sort of a Count Dracula thing going on Oh, my
2: gosh. i I can't see your whole costume
0: frodo i see that now i can only see that oh now i see she just stepped into the light i can see it's green it's got the leaf it's got the the whole nine yards perfect and you and i are we have that in common we are both oh and the ring and everything around a chain on her neck perfect you and i are both tolkien geeks
2: oh yeah super nerd
0: and so let's chat for two seconds. We didn't even talk about doing this, but let's chat chat about the series. Um,
2: oh my gosh!
0: And this is the first time you and I have talked about the series face to face. We've tech, we've done a little bit of facebooking about a little it. back
2: and forth. <laughs>
0: what What are your thoughts on the Rings of Power Amazon Can- Tolkien series?
2: It's crazy because I, I didn't go in skeptical at all, but after the first few episodes, you know, I felt skeptical about it. I mm-hmm. started to get a little bit worried. Things felt very slow, but also very condensed. And um, by the end of this series though, and it literally took the finale, by the finale, I was into it. I was like, okay, I can accept this as like something inspired by, you know, Tolkien's works.
0: And, you know, that's kind of exactly my same arc. Like the first couple of episodes, the first episode had some epic moments, but it was like skipping a stone across the history of uh, the first age and stuff like that. And um, and then and, and some really boring moments that I was like, oh, God. And it's just some <laughs> cheesy stuff, man. And yeah,
2: some of the dialogue and, you know, it's hard because what we haven't to compare it to is, you know, Peter Jackson's very, you know, as faithful as he could possibly be. Uh, and the dialogue of Tolkien's works is so beautiful and stunning. So I feel like when you don't hit that mark, mm-hmm. it's just like very obvious.
0: Oh my gosh, I agree, and I could do it, we could do a whole hour about it, oh, okay. <laughs> I'm about to complain about the Numenorians and all of that stuff, but we'll leave it for another time. But basically, by the end of it, I felt like you did that, all right, I can accept this as a series inspired by this, the epic events of the Silmarillion.
2: right. It's you not a true I, history.
0: No. And of, of course, what I really wanted as a super fan was a very faithful telling of the events of the Silmarillion. Right? Of course. That's no, I wanted it
2: to start with darkness and I wanted to go through it from start to finish.
0: And I wanted everything to be perfect. And yeah. how often does that work out in life?
2: I know, no pressure.
0: Yeah, right. And and I I will say that for me, the turning point was I think by the fourth episode or something i wanted to watch that one twice in a row which yeah. with a really good fantasy tv show like the early game of thrones mm. episodes and stuff i want to watch them immediately again because there's yeah. like a lot of visuals and a lot of great dialogue and and i didn't feel that way until about halfway through the first season exactly of Rings of power but I'm not a hater. I mean, people are...
2: No, no. People are it's... getting a little rude about it. And yeah. it's just like, eh, you're racist. You could just you're say that. You're
0: racist, yeah. But totally. <laughs> honestly,
2: like, my biggest complaint is that they didn't give Disa, like, a banging beard like we have been looking forward to dwarven women forever and i just wanted her to have like the most magnificent beard but like she killed it that actress was phenomenal like i have zero complaints about the part just you know facial hair the
0: amount of beard i agree they they could have really bearded her up a lot um okay and and i have to say and we'll move on to food after this but um Uh, the the parts with the dwarves were my favorite parts, and the dwarves have always been my favorite characters in Tolkien mm-hmm. since I was a little boy. Um, oh yeah. But I feel like even even putting that aside, that I have a bias towards those characters. I felt like those scenes were the best. They were like it the most heartwarming, the most likely to jerk a tear out of me and stuff like that. You know, and the actor oh, yeah. whoever it is playing Durin is oh my really god. Phenomenal. really nominal
2: yeah. yeah and i had i had said before the show came out i was like you know what do i want to see from this i'm like i want to see moria like i want yeah. to see kaza doom like because yep. i was like obsessive about it as a kid because we really didn't get a whole lot of it from the books or the movies of what mm-hmm. it would have been like in its prime
0: exactly so there we're getting what we want in some ways, and having to live with what the writers are offering us learning
2: patience in other ways
0: oh my god speaking of patience two years until the next one are you kidding me oh my my god but i haven't watched any i've watched like one episode of the house of dragons so i have that to Mm -hmm. watch and Mm -hmm. i've heard that's good i wasn't all that impressed with the first episode but i don't know i wasn't impressed with the first episode of game of thrones of yeah game of thrones either and i i gave i didn't even watch the second episode for like a couple Mm -hmm. of years and then I became Oh, a, I was
2: the yeah. same way. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Became um, a huge fan and then a huge upset letdown at the end. I'm one of those people that did not mm-hmm. like the end of the game. Oh,
2: me neither. Yeah. No, absolutely not. And that's actually actually why I haven't started House of the Dragon. Uh my husband's yeah. been watching it, you know, okay. religiously. I think he's caught up on it, but I'm okay. just like, eh. They kind of yeah. let me down. They
0: dropped the ball. I don't know. Oh, totally, totally. All right. <laughs> you and I could could literally talk about this for the whole hour of the show, but let's talk about, I, at the beginning, I said that you are formerly of Bear's Barbecue. So you have recently transitioned out of the food industry, and that is a topic that comes up all the time. So why don't yeah. we talk about that a little bit and tell me about your decision to make that transition and how that's working out for you.
2: Absolutely. You know, it was a difficult decision. Um, You know, I've been on the show several times and I, I loved my job. I got to do really incredible things. And, but more importantly, I really love the industry in this town. That's not the first time I've been on here saying this, like it is such a beautiful thing within itself that like removing myself from it felt very, unbreachable it it felt it felt insurmountable um but i was also fortunate enough and like not a lot of people are fortunate enough if they want to get out to get out that i had another job come up you know um i had a friend who worked uh there and it was uh it was just very much the right place at the right time and i had to just leap you know
0: okay and and um so of course, it's hard to when you love an industry, it's hard to disassociate your personality and identity from that industry. Oh yeah. And um, and also you tend to have a lot of friends in that industry and stuff. So there's some camaraderie there. Mm-hmm. But I know that there are a lot of things about the food industry in particular. One of them being that I have observed that if you're a hard worker, this industry will work you to death. Right. And yeah, that a hundred percent. If you are there and you're on time and you're committed and you're dependable, this industry will just be like you show up for a 12 hour shift every day and we're just gonna yeah. work you until you just have no life. And mm-hmm. so I find a lot of people transition for that reason. Uh, did that Oh that was did that yeah. factor into your decision?
2: Absolutely, it did. And that's what it was, is that I've never really done anything else. I've had brief stints here and there. But I was always the person who was five to 10 minutes early for their shift. I, I generally tried to pick up as many shifts as I possibly could, you know. Um, and then, you know, after I had the pleasure of working at Bimberry Bond, I realized that I could take myself seriously in the industry and not just feel like, you know, a red shirt who's just fussing um and so a
0: shirt and star trek reference <laughs> thank you thank it's you the, it's the nerd hour <laughs> with Stu and alex
2: oh my gosh we could we could we could franchise on that anyways so um yeah no i um i took on more than i Not that I could chew, but more than I wanted to necessarily chew, which Mm -hmm. of course, isn't something that you can realize until later, because in the moment, it's like all of all you see is opportunity. All you see is like this potential that you can be a part of and you can be a part of something great. Mm -hmm. And I really did want to be a part of something great. But a lot of people also aren't talking about having worked in the food industry through COVID. And I feel like working in the past two years in the restaurant industry it, I feel like it equates to at least twenty years in yeah. regular time. You no know joke. what I mean?
0: Yeah, like no it
2: strains you out, and so yeah. I just, um, yeah, it, it I, never I, ends.
0: It never, it stops. never ends. Yeah,
2: right. And like people are worse. Like after COVID, like not all customers are bad customers, obviously, but the ones who would be difficult pre-COVID it just seemed exponentially worse, you know, during, and even now, and it's just nuts. And I'm like, man, you're yelling at me over, over a barbecue sandwich. And I just, (laughs) I just can't Uh, go home at the end of the night and feel good about myself uh, after doing that, you know?
0: Alex, well, I'm glad that you made the decision. I, I don't know if it was a private conversation or here on the show where I actually expressed to you some concern that that you were going to burn out soon. And you told me by that point you were already burned out. You just weren't really yeah. saying it out loud. Um, <laughs> but let's talk a little bit about what you're doing now because you're working for a classic Asheville company that I have known many people who have worked for this company ha, have, in some ways, it's a it's a safety net for some of the people of Asheville. When they drop out of some other industry, I've noticed they can go to this one. So tell me where you work now.
2: Absolutely. I work at AFG Distribution, um, and it is a locally owned company. And like it's exactly like you said, it's kind of a safety net situation. Uh, it's a warehouse where we pick and pack orders predominantly for head shops across the country and across the world um, and yep. it's 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 a complete 180 from what i was doing before which was all very performative and sales based mm-hmm. to just simply being me and like walking i think i'm doing like 8000 steps a day like yes. 8000 steps a shift and it's just like it's peaceful i listen to my audiobooks i listen to my playlists and it's just like it's very peaceful there mm-hmm
0: there you go um i worked in a warehouse in boston when i was mm-hmm. younger it was called rounder records and we picked records we filled orders for record shop like vinyl um for that. all over the country and um i i couldn't wait to get out of there and go do something else okay. personally cuz it was the middle of the summer and it was hot and and I was getting paid minimum wage in the eighties. So it was, Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, But I understand exactly what you're saying. The satisfaction of fulfilling a ticket and bringing that cart full of stuff to the shipping department and handing it to them and doing that with several orders, as many as you need to do. And then clocking out at the end of the day, it just felt really good to fulfill orders. I don't know. Like the simple act of doing that. You were like, yes. Yes.
2: And it's just like, it's so, it is simple. It Like you said, it's a simple act. But then like the thing for me, like when I clock out, I now have energy to do things outside of work. I can now focus on my art. I can focus on like my social life, which, you mm-hmm. know, uh, post COVID, post COVID, you know, because yeah. of COVID, yeah. you know, we didn't get to hang out with people. And I'm like having to like repair these friendships and stuff like that. And I can actually- Absolutely put energy into those important things because I'm not just drained from work all the time.
0: Well, Alex, I'm so glad to hear that you made that personal choice to take your own frequent advice to your friends and family, to take care of your own mental health, make a decision that was a tough one to make. But I can already tell just by talking to you now how much you're enjoying this time away from that chaos.
2: Very much.
0: Yes. (laughs) All right. Well, let's um, we spent so much time talking about uh, the Lord of the Rings. I'm going to skip over your vegan recommendation and go straight to um, uh, food trivia for manna because you've agreed to do that. But we'll just give a quick shout out. Your vegan recommendation was the trashy vegan.
2: Oh, my gosh. The cheeseburger and fries, man. It's the the best cheeseburger
0: and fries at the trashy Mm -hmm. vegan food truck. Correct.
2: Oh, no, they have the brick and mortar in West Asheville where the Foothills Butcher used to be, right by Benberry Bond.
0: Okay. All right. Oh, that makes a big difference to me, especially once I get my electric bike. That's a different story for a different time. Then I'll be able to go over to West Asheville more often. All right. Enough jibber-jabber. It's time to squeeze some money out of you for Mana Food Bank. You know how this works. You watch the videos. And uh, for the audience... I'm raising money for Mana Food Bank, the most effective way to fight hunger in the country, I believe. We have some of the highest rates of food insecurity in the country here in Western North Carolina. And Mana Food Bank can provide four meals for every dollar that they raise. And I am trying to raise $5,000 by December 31st. It's a lofty goal. We're almost halfway there. Like we're just a couple hundred bucks away from halfway there. We still have two months to go. So we're sitting pretty, but got to squeeze some dollars out of you, Alex. So for every question, we have, I have five questions for you. Every question's worth $5. For mm-hmm. every question you get right, $5 is going to be given from me, your humble servant, to Man of Food Bank. For everyone you get wrong, money coming out of your pocket. Love it. All right. So knowing that you're a vegetarian and not only that, but we forgot to mention that you're Asheville's favorite vegetarian.
2: I am Asheville's favorite vegetarian. Thank you for remembering.
0: Yes. Uh, And so with that in mind, I've got questions for you all about turkeys.
2: Okay. Yeah.
0: I'm trying to stump the experts. I am not asking you questions about vegetables. (sighs) All right. I've got five questions about turkeys. With Thanksgiving coming up, I thought I'd start to focus on some of that stuff. So 46 million turkeys are consumed in America each year for Thanksgiving, which is roughly 1.4 billion pounds of turkey meat or 16 pounds each, Alex.
2: Oh, my gosh.
0: I'll have your 16 pounds, please. There you
2: go. That's that's my gift to you. (laughs)
0: Thank you. All right. So your first question is, Uh, Turkeys are native to North America. They come from North America and Mm -hmm. and were first domesticated in Mexico, perhaps as long as 2,300 years ago, but they've been around a lot longer than that. According to the fossil record, how long have turkeys been around? And this is a multiple choice for you. Is it A, 10,000 years? B, 100,000 years? C, 10 million years? Or D, a hundred million years.
2: Oh my gosh. Well, I mean, like, are we talking like the turkeys as they are now? Like un evolutionized? Like, that's, okay.
0: That's what, I mean, they were smaller back then, but what we would recognize as a turkey today.
2: Okay. So I'm going to go with 10,000 years.
0: That's an excellent guess, but incorrect.
2: <laughs> Darn! Sorry
0: to tell you, Alex, but I love the sound of incorrect answers myself. <laughs> The fossil data indicates that birds ancestral to turkeys probably migrated to the Americas about twenty million years ago, and that the birds we now know as turkeys appeared around ten million years ago. yeah, that's insane. That's I crazy. know. okay. Birds come from okay. dinosaurs, you know? And a turkey well, is like I'm a thinking. big dinosaur, right?
2: It's terrifying. We get flocks of like forty of them in our yard <laughs> all the time. It's insane,
0: oh, so you're familiar with our local wild turkeys
2: hmm I'm a big okay. fan.
0: <laughs> we'll get we'll get to some questions about those a little later. So then you'll have a <laughs> you'll have a fighting chance. All right. This one you got a 50-50 chance. It's yes or no.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: Does does the word turkey as we apply it to the birds have anything to do with the country of the same name? No. I'm sorry, Alex. That ah! is incorrect. <laughs> what? The answer is yes. Once <laughs> imported into Europe. Turkeys were a big hit. They they weren't they weren't over there, and they when they were imported, they were a big hit. But were confused with a very mm-hmm. similar looking looking guinea fowl, associated with the country of Turkey, and this guinea fowl was sometimes called a turkey cock or a turkey hen. So the more popular and much larger turkey became known as simply a turkey. I
2: mean, people just. Naming things, whatever they want to name them for no reason. That's fine. That's cool. That's cool. That's
0: fine. (laughs) There's an original, like, Mexican name that sounds a little bit like Quetzalcoatl, (laughs) and I can't pronounce it and I didn't write it down. But yeah, I mean, it has an original name. But of course, Europeans are like, I'll call it Turkey.
2: I'm going to call it a Turkey because it looks like Turkey.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Shaped like the country. Um, All right. Question number three. According to the Pennsylvania Game Commission, Male turkeys can be identified if these are J shaped, while those of the female take on a more spiral or curly Q shape. What is
2: they're, it? It's uh, their um, wobble, their waddle. What waddle? Is it? You're saying they're waddle? I don't know what it's. That thing is, is. Yeah, yeah that yeah. is called
0: a waddle. Okay. That's but that I'm is saying. incorrect. <laughs> I am sorry, Alex
2: fine
0: oh uh, well i'm not sorry either because this ain't costing me a dime so far. <laughs>
2: yeah okay uh, I'm all right
0: great. one surefire way to tell if your turkey is male or female is by checking their droppings a male's oh. poop will be shaped like the letter j while the females is more spiral shaped
2: well that is good to know now i know the genders of the turkeys in my yard
0: yes you will you can be like <laughs> all right everybody line up and start pooping i want to identify <laughs> you Exactly. And and I'm going to have to say that that's got something to do with shape of the source and Play-Doh Fun Factory effect going on there. Yeah. Uh, Who's got a star-shaped one is what I want (laughs) to (laughs) know. All right. Question number four. Mm -hmm. Well, contrary to popular belief, Benjamin Franklin never advocated for the turkey to be our national bird, but he sure Mm -hmm. did like them a lot, and he even called the turkey a, quote, bird of courage, a, quote, true original native of America, and, quote, a much more respectable bird than the bald eagle, whom he thought little of. In fact, Ben Franklin referred to the bald eagle as one of the following. So three of these are not true. One of them is true. He called bald eagles a bird of bad moral character, a bird unworthy of praise or plate, A scavenger and a nuisance, or the prince of buzzards?
2: Oh. Mm. A,
0: B, C, or D. I can repeat them if you'd like.
2: No, I'm going to go with B because that sounded really Ben Franklin-y and very cutting.
0: Oh, thank you so much! I made that up completely myself, oh, but I wanted dude. it to sound like Ben Franklin. That and, was a very
2: good Ben Franklin. <laughs>
0: thank you. I think that I'll I'll use that phrase in some of my future writing, and then a hundred years from now, people can quote me.
2: Perfect. I love that. No, that was a that was a savage line towards bald eagle. So, what did he say though?
0: Well, in a letter to his daughter, Benjamin Franklin called the bald eagle a bird of bad moral character. <laughs> That's not what I thought you said. <laughs> because they (laughs) apparently steal from other birds yeah he didn't like them yeah he liked those turkeys but not the bald eagle so much yeah okay you got another 50 50 chance here right here and since you're a fan of the wild turkeys in the neighborhood maybe you already know the answer to this one and this is the final question true or false wild turkeys sleep in trees
2: oh Gosh, I always just see him awake eating my garden. Um, I'm going to go with true because that sounds spooky and surreal like something they would do.
0: Alex, you got one right. You pulled it out of the fire at the very end. Oh, my gosh. It was (laughs) like when Frodo wanted to keep the ring and then Gollum bit his finger off at the last minute. You pulled victory out of fire.
1: Yeah
0: dang all right yeah true turkeys spend most of their time on the ground but when it's time to sleep they fly up into trees to protect themselves from predators and they well, i've
2: never seen a turkey sleeping on the ground so i just assumed
0: right <laughs> most people including myself didn't know that turkeys could fly let alone that they slept oh in
2: see yeah. here's the thing i watch them fly over my fence back oh. and forth and okay. so like i knew that those oh those oh snap <laughs> all right
0: <laughs> I'll have to ding, ding that out of there. But, we hey, have some
2: harsh feelings about the turkeys, okay?
0: Yeah, all right. Oh, anybody who has them frequent their yard has bad feelings about turkeys. <laughs> all right, Alex. Well, this has been great talking to you. Um, I'm going to miss talking to you about Bears Barbecue, but we can talk about what all you got going on at All Fun Gifts, which is, I know that's the old name, and they don't like to use that as much anymore, but that's what the AFG stands for, All Fun Gifts. And I've known tons of people that have worked there and it's really fun that you're working there, but I almost, nice. uh, we'll talk after we sign yep. out about doing a nerd cast.
2: Oh my gosh, please. Yes. Anytime.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again. Bye Alex. Thank
2: you. Bye. <laughs>
0: everybody so that was a fun show i love talking with alex and you may have noticed that alex dropped an f bomb in there in the middle and i had to take that out and the reason i had to take that out is cuz this podcast gets broadcast over the radio and you can't be dropping f bombs on the radio i wish that i could do that because uh as a lot of you know i tend to swear a lot and i have a reputation as a person who swears a lot. It's just part of who I am, where I came from, how I was raised. Sorry, mom and dad. But yeah, dad dropped a lot of swears. He did not so much a lot of F-bombs, but he said all the others a lot. And sometimes he said the F-bomb. But that's just kind of how I grew up. And then, of course, being from Boston, people just pepper their sentences with the word over and over again. Uh, And it's just sort of a punctuation and I'll have to go back and scrub that one out that I just said. But the other day I'm bringing this up now because the other day I was walking home. I had just had a great eating experience at my favorite restaurant, Buxton hall barbecue. And um, I was in my head, having an internal dialogue about how great the experience was. And when I talk to myself in my head, I'm just swearing my brains out, right? Like every, I'm just, I'll do it for you right now, and then I'll have to go back and bleep it all out. But I'm just like in my head, like, man, that was fucking great. That fucking sandwich was fucking great, man. Like, man, they cooked that fucking catfish exactly right, exactly the way it should be cooked, man. And so that's the way I talk to myself in my head. And uh, I realized, and that made me laugh when I realized what I was doing, because although I have a reputation as someone who swears a lot, the amount of swears I don't say hugely outweighs the amount that I do say by a lot, a lot, I swear a lot more in my internal dialogue than i do in the external world part of that is because i talk for the radio a lot and also part of it is because i talk for food tours a lot and of course i don't drop a lot of swears on the food tour unless i think they can handle it because i got some stories i tell about mike napolitano the founder of manicomio pizza and when i feel like the crowd can handle it i talk the way that mike talks and he says the word a whole of a lot Um, and so, yeah, I just thought that was kind of funny. And just by way of a review that catfish sandwich at Buxton hall barbecue, man, get on in. I don't give a it that you don't want to come downtown, get on downtown and get that sandwich. It is so good. And yeah, it costs money. People make comments on my post. That's probably expensive. And I'm like, yeah, food costs money. So It ain't cheap to eat and have other people cook. Other people source the food. Other people cook their amazing recipes for you. And then somebody clears the table and washes your dishes, man. I'd pay 20 bucks just to have that happen every night. Jiminy crickets. Um, So get into Buxton Hall barbecue and have that catfish sandwich, y'all. All All right. It's great. What can I say? And uh, all right. That's the show for now. I will check in with you, mother. Another time. Thanks for listening. Thanks to WPVM 103.7 FM, the progressive voice of the mountains here in beautiful Asheville, North Carolina, for turning my humble podcast into a radio broadcast. And thank you to my guests this week. And thanks to anybody who has donated to Mana Food Bank, either on their own or through my Facebook fundraiser. And if you have time to donate and the money, to donate to my facebook fundraiser i would appreciate that i've got a pretty hefty goal of five grand that i'm trying to reach by december 31st so help me get there that can feed a lot of people and uh follow, please follow me on social media speaking of facebook uh, Stu Helm food fan is my moniker on facebook twitter Now, I just signed up for Tribal, T-R-I-B-E-L, just in case Elon Musk turns Twitter into a pile of you-know-what, and everybody seems to be prepared to jump ship over to this Tribal thing, so follow me there. Why not? Uh, Also on Substack, YouTube, Instagram, I'm everywhere, mostly everywhere you find social media. Please help me understand TikTok. Thank you, everybody. I'll talk to you real soon. Bye. This episode of the Food Fans Radio Show was underwritten in part by Asheville Food Tours. Did you know that there are over 200 places to eat and drink in downtown Asheville alone? It can be overwhelming. Whether you're a visitor or a local, there's no better way to experience downtown Asheville than taking a food tour with Asheville Food Tours. Details, pricing, and an easy-to-use calendar can be found at AshevilleFoodTours.com. That's AshevilleFoodTours.com.